Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Carolyn oftentimes pleaded with him to live his life differently because he was at the time with Princess uh, Diana, maybe the, uh, the biggest, one of the biggest celebrities in the world. And of course, along with that comes the danger from stalkers, from obsessed fans. But in JFK Jr.'s case, because of his family history, the son of the president, the connection to fame, uh, the wealth of the Kennedys, the multi-million dollar estate that the family had, JFK Jr. was, in fact, a real target of potential kidnap plots. There was always the fear, and Carolyn was extremely worried that JFK would be riding his bicycle and would be plucked off the bike and thrown into the back of a van. Welcome to Episode 7 of Fatal Voyage, The Death of JFK Jr., I'm your host, ex-homicide cop Colin McLaren. We've been investigating the intriguing life of the man they called America's Crown Prince and wondering whether there was more to his sudden yet tragic death, at least more than previously known. Well, this man, JFK Jr., he was so popular that if he ran for anything, it would be lights out for anybody else. If he got into power, then he could use the mechanism of power to hold responsible those people that had killed his uncle and, and kill his father. As part of our investigation, I've come to New York and teamed up with investigative journalist James Robinson of American Media. Together, we've managed to access hundreds of pages of long-buried FBI files on John Jr. And in the last episode, we uncovered what looks very much like a plot to kidnap John Jr. back in 1995 or 1996. This stands out. This is a big red flag for us. A plot to kidnap John F. Kennedy Jr. Four years before the crash. This is serious. It's not threats to kidnap a child. This is a grown man. We're going to keep digging into the detail to see just how credible a kidnap plot this really was and how big a threat did it pose to Jr.'s life. But of course, I want to know exactly who was behind it. But trying to pick out the relevant clues from the massively redacted FBI files is no easy task. Yeah, so this is... What I'm looking at here is is the documents when we're about two months into the investigation back in 1995. And there's a word that's jumping out to me here, gangs. It's the same case number as the original tip from New York City where they had JFK Jr. under surveillance. 
But now we've got the inclusion of a gang. We've got gang one, and then a couple of pages behind that, gang number two, and then a third gang is referenced. But what I'm trying to make sense of here is, is this criminal enterprise connected somehow to the kidnapping? Why are they connected? And where are they based? So I've got to try and figure out if if these gangs are the ones which were in the previous documents that we, we were reviewing. And what I'm trying to do is really work out that we've actually got a kidnapping. Otherwise, we're just going down a rabbit hole. But unusually for FOI documents, we've got here a set of the detective's handwritten notes. No, you don't see this. This is unusual, James. If you look at this, you've got... He's writing it all down, page after page after page. And he's getting obviously getting information from the informer, and he's writing it down. To kidnap JFK Jr., a victim. Another one. Kidnap Florida. And there's on and on. There's so many references to Florida and to New York, JFK to be kidnapped, and this is getting towards end of 1990s. At this stage, we're not quite sure what is meant by the word gangs. The mafia, perhaps? Drug cartels? Or does it simply refer to street gangs? In the mid-1990s, New York City was a vastly different place to how it is today, and gang violence was a very real problem. Here's Barry Levine with some insight. He edited the National Enquirer and lived in New York City at that time. New York in those days was completely different from how it is now. You walk into Times Square now and it's like Disney World. Kids, families from all over the world come and it's uh, a relatively, relatively safe place. But in the years before the plane crash, New York was going through one of the worst crime periods in its entire history. In fact, in 1990, the city's homicide rate peaked at 2,245 killings. Uh, The city lived in fear at the time. New York was, this was a time before Rudy Giuliani came in in the mid-90s and began cleaning things up as uh, the mayor of New York. New York was a rough and tumble, dangerous town. The uh, movies, if if you recall, the Warriors Escape from New York all played off the cesspool of violence and danger was depicted in these gritty films. People were afraid to go on the subways. People were being mugged outside of their apartments. There were junkies, heroin and crack, gangs. Not that the threat of violence or gang trouble seemed to bother John Jr. John, for the most part, lived a pretty carefree life in Manhattan. New York was a place he loved, a place, in fact, that he felt extremely safe. JFK loved to walk through Central Park. He loved to ride his bicycle all over the city. He was completely carefree. And uh, in fact, uh, Carolyn Bissett, his wife, was so fearful of him getting attacked, getting kidnapped, and where they lived at the time, down in Tribeca. Tribeca neighborhood of New York was completely different than it is now. It was much quieter. The cobblestone streets down there were a lot grittier. There used to be hookers. 
who would line up down there, just uh, literally a block from where they lived at night. Uh, there were muggings, of course. There wasn't a lot of street traffic. Um, and in fact, there were uh, a, f- a few cars. Uh, there was only one restaurant down the street that, in fact, JFK Jr. Uh, hung out at a place called Bubby's. So there was a true fear of something tragic happening to John. But in the years, in the decade before the plane crash, there were a lot of drugs coming into New York from the Colombian cartels. We asked reporter Leon Wagner, who spent decades covering the Kennedy family, if he had ever heard of a plot to kidnap John Jr. What he told us effectively ruled out the idea of a New York street gang behind the plot. The FBI at one point uncovered a plot to kidnap him and demand millions in ransom. And it was deadly serious. And they made arrests. They were going to grab him on the street uh, near his house and um, kidnap him. And they planned to demand millions in ransom or they'd cut off his ear and mail it to Jackie. Uh, I mean, it was an elaborate plot. And at the time, they took it extremely seriously. I mean, it was not a a hoax. It wasn't an idle threat. It was the real thing. And, you know, these people were hardcore, almost terrorists who were going to do it. There was no question they were going to do it. But it, it never influenced John's behavior. True crime, mysteries, trying to get to the heart of stories that have more questions than answers is my passion. I feel compelled. It's like moving the pieces of a puzzle together. With each connection, I see more of the bigger picture. That's why I like to play Best Fiends. Best Fiends is an exciting puzzle that challenges your brain while not being too difficult. Perfect for any kind of downtime, Best Fiends lets you collect adorable characters as the story advances from level to level, and you don't need an internet connection to play. Plus, they're always putting out new themed challenges, so the game is never boring. I find myself playing Best Fiends whenever I have downtime. With over 100 million downloads, I'm clearly not the only one who's obsessed. As more of my family and friends have started playing, we've gotten into some pretty friendly competitions surrounding our progress in the game, and I'm determined to come out on top. I love that it's a fun reason to keep our text chains going while we're social distancing, too. Start playing today. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already, with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can even play online. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. As James and I discovered, Leon Wagner's sources seem to be corroborated by the official documents, and the evidence inside the FBI files pointed towards a very different, a more deadly gang altogether. The Heavy Hitters, a South American drug cartel. What stands out to me is that, like you say, this is handwritten, so this is coming directly from the informer. 
And if they're talking about Florida, for instance, we know that Miami is a, is a hotbed for drug trafficking. If we know that it's New York, if it's California, if it's San Francisco, these are all coastal parts of the country, which are they're, they're always favored by the, the cartel from traffickers because of the access to get there from South America by boat. Now, this is probably the defining document for me for this weekend's work. We've got two plans here. There's one plan, which is all about this Florida-based drug cartel and how to inform on them. So there's an informer who wants to give up on them to the FBI. And a separate plan is about the kidnapping of JFK Jr. So there's two plans he's offered to get out of jail free. So we've got to work through that, but we've got to work out who are these players? It's just got the generic male and female. It's very unusual to have a female at the top end of a drug cartel. So this whistleblower is offering to rat out a drug cartel operation operating mm. out of Colombia and also inform the FBI of a kidnapping plot, but they appear to be connected? Well, at least it's connected by the same mouth of the, of the one informer. Here it is here... Um, they're talking about harm. There's no, there's no doubt about it. They're talking about violence. So is JFK going to come to harm? Or is it harm for the cartel down in South America? I think if, if there's a, an informer, we've got now a pattern emerging, which is, which is what we look for every single time we're going through these documents, is we know there are gangs. And, I mean, we should talk to some, some investigators, some cops down in Miami... They'll know what's going on. They'll have some leads. They'll know who the the kingpins were, who a whistleblower may have been. Yeah. Because, look, if you're a Miami-Dade cop, whether or not you can arrest half of these people, you know exactly what they're doing. Two different investigations dovetailed into the one FBI report. First of all, an insider wanting to inform on a Colombian drug cartel. And secondly, there was information about thwarting a planned kidnap of JFK Jr. How were they connected? We need to find someone who can help us decipher the FBI files and read between the heavily redacted lines. Well, we've really got to perhaps take it another step further and just show our hand. There's a mention there of a detective, Andrew from Miami, and he seems to have been the main informant on this particular job. He seems to be the main investigator on this job. We've got to really, I guess, see if he's still alive. Is he retired? Let's see if we can find him. And uh, it, hopefully, or maybe he's got some squad mates, or, um, and see if we can perhaps get them to help us a little bit. Absolutely. I think it's well where you have someone who works in narcotics or in the Miami police this uh, if you're a cop in Miami around this time, you're going to know every nitty-gritty bit of detail. And while he may not have wanted to spill secrets back then when these people were alive, it's, it's very different now they're dead. Mm. If he's with us, he'll certainly have a story to tell. Yeah, well, our next move's got to be him. Nelson Andrew, the detective whose name we found hidden amongst the redactions in the files, is currently Chief of Police with the West Miami PD. And before that, he spent 21 years as a homicide cop in the same city. He agrees to talk to me and tells me that he recalls the kidnapping plot well. Yes, there was some surveillance being done. They were trying to figure out what was the best way to be able to get their hands on 
on JFK Jr. And uh, he was known to uh, exercise on a bicycle throughout Manhattan. And uh, that was the, the essence of their plan is to uh, grab him when he was uh, on one of his bicycle uh, rides. Fortunately, it never never materialized, never took place, but uh, yeah, they were definitely looking into that. I mean, they were looking for somebody prominent, somebody that, that had a political pull, somebody that uh, was well-connected in, in America, and John F. Kennedy Jr. would be that person. And again, because of his freedom throughout New York City, they also felt that he would be a relatively easy target for them to get their hands on. But what alerted the FBI to the plot in the first place? Again, the trove of files holds that clue and points directly to the perpetrators of the attempted kidnapping coming from inside of one of the biggest Colombian drug cartels. I think just coming back from the vault and that it's coming together nicely. Interestingly, there seems to be some really interesting, really massive drug operation that happened around that same time in Miami, around Florida, yeah? That's right. Around this time, Operation Cracker Jacks, which was the FBI task force, which essentially brought down South Florida and Miami's biggest drug operation. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars a week of crack cocaine, cocaine, heroin, and all other sorts of trafficking coming through that. I've got here a story about an $8 billion a year cocaine operation from South America to Florida. That's massive. This matches the, the FBI files we've been reading that are tied to this, this whistleblower. This, whoever this man is, he's connected to this cartel. If New York was a dangerous place back then, Miami, a city controlled by drug barons and awash with dirty money, was on a whole other level of lawlessness altogether. Remember, this was Miami Vice. Reporter Andy Tillett explains. Miami was the centre of the cocaine universe. In the 1980s, 70% of all cocaine entering the United States came through South Florida, and most of it was driven by the Colombian cartels ran by people like Pablo Escobar. It made Miami a boomtown, but it also made it like the Wild West. There's stories about people using cocaine as actual currency, paying for haircuts or dental work with grams of coke. According to the Drugs Enforcement Agency, the dope trade brought in about $12 billion a year to the area. That's more than tourism or even real estate. The figures are actually astonishing. Such was the power and influence of the cartels, these vast sums of drug money were often laundered in plain sight, with authorities apparently powerless to do anything about it. I remember it well. It was a time when virtually every $100 bill had traces of cocaine on it. We're talking about insane amounts of cash. In the 80s, the Federal Reserve branch that covered Miami and Miami Beach had a $5 billion currency surplus. That's more than the other 11 Federal Reserve banks combined, and most of it was in $50 and $100 bills. The stories of people paying for million-dollar properties in cash, literally unloading suitcases of 20s, 50s, and 100s. And all of it came with violence. The murder count rocketed. The big players were completely ruthless in eliminating anyone they saw as a rival.
It was against this background that the FBI launched Operation Crackerjacks in 1994. In a series of raids on major drug dealers and money launderers in the Miami area, the feds successfully smashed a distribution network that had a turnover exceeding $100,000 a week. And they arrested and charged 66 criminals with a series of federal indictments. It was in the mid-90s that the authorities finally began to get a handle on the sheer scale of the problem. The FBI took out a lot of local distributors with various operations, including one called Cracker Jacks. And the big players in Colombia were targeted too, most notably Pablo Escobar, and he was killed in a shootout with Colombian police in 1993. As a homicide detective working in Miami at that time, Nelson Andrew was on the front line of Clinton's war against drugs. And he comes through for us with some crucial information. The redacted name of the informer prepared to tell all about the John Jr. kidnapping plot. The information that came to us came from Griselda's last lover in California, Crosby or Cosby, I believe was his last name. Armed with a surname, we dispatched Andy Tillett to see what he could dig up on this Crosby or Cosby dude and what the connection between him and a South American cartel might be. He reports back. Okay, so the man we're after here is either called Charles Crosby or Charles Cosby, depending on who you talk to. But essentially, it's the same guy, however you say the surname. He was a kind of mid-level street drug dealer in Oakland and Fresno, California in the 1980s. Nothing spectacular, but apparently he controlled a few crack houses and had a steady stream of income from his activities, making around $40,000 a year by the time he was 20. And by all accounts, he was also pretty charming, a good-looking kid, and most of all, very ambitious. The documents show the original tip to the FBI came from California, so that makes sense. But what would this hustling street dealer from the West Coast have to do with a multi-million dollar Colombian cartel operating through Miami on the East Coast? Now this is where it gets really interesting. Charles apparently became obsessed with a woman who was arrested in Miami in 1985. She was the head of a very powerful cartel and she was known as the godmother of cocaine. And I believe she's the one who came up with the plot to kidnap JFK Jr. Andy's information chimes again with an old tip Barry Levine heard but never published in the National Enquirer. He tells us what he learned. This plot was from an obsessed Colombian queen pin who had planned to snatch JFK Jr. off the streets of New York. The woman who was involved in this was uh, known in the Latin underworld as La Abustora, a term used for a type of man-eating female who uses men to satisfy her sexual needs. This 50-something woman who was the head of one of Colombia's notorious all-female crime rings and a drug cartel was reported to have had six husbands all of whom apparently vanished without a trace within a year of her marrying each of them. Many of the uh, drug deals that uh, this woman was involved in were hatched from an island in the Caribbean Sea. Now, her plan apparently was to snatch John from a New York City street as he rode his bicycle. He was then going to be heavily drugged 
and smuggled out of the U.S. on a banana boat. Interestingly, her plan came with a dire warning to her lackeys that were going to carry this out. And that was, don't harm a single hair on John's beautiful head, or it will be your funeral. Apparently, this plot to kidnap JFK Jr., this bizarre plot to kidnap JFK Jr., I should say, fell through at the last minute because of protests from this woman's advisors. And they were extremely concerned that the kidnap of JFK Jr. would bring a massive military response from Colombian armed forces and and uh, basically exposing their uh, drug cartel, uh, money laundering schemes, uh, and other illegal activities uh, of uh, cocaine distribution and so forth. And her advisors warned her that by kidnapping JFK Jr., one of the most high-profile men in the world, that it would absolutely destroy their drug cartel. So the plan apparently was called off. Um, whether the FBI informed John of this plot is something we'll never know. Because from what we know now, we, we do not know if he was told about this plot um, in the years when he was living. And if he had, had he ever in fact told his wife Carolyn Bissett. But what's the connection between the Colombian drug queen and our Californian whistleblower? Here's both Andy Tillett and Nelson Andrew. So this woman, the Colombian queen pin, if you like, her name was Griselda Blanco. Charles Cosby eventually tracked her down. He finds out where she's being held in prison. He was basically infatuated with her and he started to write to her. The two of them formed a relationship, which by the mid-90s had progressed from being pen pals to something more physical. And even, it's been suggested, she helped him step up his game to become a big-time West Coast drug dealer. I don't know how Griselda and Cosby first hooked up, but they became uh, lovers. I think they may have even gotten married. And because of Griselda's wealth, she had that prison uh, all to herself, practically. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Cosby told us that the guards would let them do practically anything. They even had uh, sexual relations while she was in prison, and uh, that's, that was brought to, to light by Cosby himself. I don't know if anybody at the prison would ever uh, admit to, to those shenanigans going on. So eventually, Griselda, tired of being in prison, and I guess with new charges being brought against her, comes up with this plan. Finally, the pieces are coming together. Griselda Blanco, the Colombian drug queen, known also as the Black Widow, or the cocaine godmother, she was arrested for serious drugs in 1985 and was languishing in prison, working through a long sentence. It's then that she hatches a plan to buy her freedom, with JFK as the price, her ticket out. They figured that kidnapping John F. K. Jr. would be uh, her key out of prison. I think she was definitely seriously considering that because we had no idea that uh, she would do something or try to do something that brazen in order to get out of prison. There was talk that when they kidnapped John F. Kennedy Jr., they really had no intentions of doing a swap for Griselda. They were probably going to kidnap him and kill him and then see if she was able to get away. 
but the exact details of what was going on or what their plans were, uh, it depends uh, also on who you talk to and where you read the, the documents, because there was talk of both, of actually doing a switch or killing him, burying him, and then pretending that they were going to release him and never would. But serious questions still remain, and some things just simply don't add up. If our man Charles Cosby was the informer, why would he do that? If he was obsessed with and possibly even married to Griselda Blanco, why would he rat out a plan to free the woman he loved? And what became of both Griselda and Charles? We need to find the missing pieces to both of these characters. Next time on Fatal Voyage, the death of JFK Jr. My opinion of why she was so ruthless is she was a woman in a man's world, in a man's business, so she had to be even tougher than the other guys around her or they would have taken her out of circulation. The woman who wanted to kidnap him and in fact make JFK Jr. her sex slave was Griselda Blanca, who spun an evil web as dark as death itself. And her interest was JFK Jr.'s handsome looks obviously had a fixation and a fascination on young John F. Kennedy Jr. The Death of JFK Jr. is hosted by myself, Colin McLaren. It's executive produced by Dylan Howard and Matt Sprouse and is a production of Broad and Water Studios and Endeavour Audio. Executive producers also include Tom Freestone, James Robertson and Andy Tillett and the series is written by Dominic Utton. Reporting by Douglas Montero, the series is mixed and engineered by Sean Kravitz and Sam Adder. There is so much more to this story and you don't want to miss anything, I can assure you. Make sure you subscribe to Fatal Voyage, The Death of JFK Jr. wherever you get your podcasts. 